0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: We developed a landmark project that I can be proud of, that I can showcase to my family and friends and say, I was involved in that um, yeah, that, that's, that's the why. Hey!
0: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shump and in this episode, we're back with Matt Koo, the Managing Director of ICD Property. He'll share how he manages large development projects with his team and the kind of strategies they implement to achieve the best results. You'll also hear how he bounced back from being made redundant, his driving factor for developing property and much much more. Aside from investing in property development, Matt Koo delves into the very first property he purchased.
1: The first property was a uh, um, the apartment which my my wife and I purchased when we got married, um, and you know, like I guess you know the thinking about it was, all right, we, we want something that um, you know is in uh, with all the amenities around it that we we would use, um, and also one that we could possibly see as a as an investment long term once we move out into our sort of family home. Um, yeah, and, and and it's funny like you, you know, at that stage of your life, what your interests are and, and that very much just, you know, um, determines what the house looks like and all and, and, the property that you purchase. And then, um, yeah, now now like, you know, being in a family home, like like you can never sort of see yourself in that, it's a different phase of life. Um, but yeah, like the, just trying to reflect on the, the the emotions of it, um, it's really quite daunting actually. Um, uh, we, um, when we liked, knew we liked the property, we were very nervous to go to auction. Um, and so we, we ended up making an offer beforehand. Um, and I think when you make offers beforehand, um, it's obviously to a point where the vendor will be satisfied. Um, it's probably also like the agents um, advising, you know, you're not gonna get a better offer in, in, in an auction. So you do pay, I, in my mind, um, especially if the vendor isn't desperate, you pay sort of top dollar or, or at least sort of at market. Um, but as a buyer, I think it also you really want a property gives you that certainty.
0: So, you purchased that property that was in Melbourne CBD. How long ago was that, roughly?
1: Uh, it wasn't Melbourne CBD, it was actually um, at South Yarra, which is it's in a Melbourne, yeah, but close to, close to Mandy and stuff. That was in 2010.
0: After purchasing his first property and working in finance, he goes on to share at what stage he jumped into property development.
1: I was already working at ICD um, probably a couple of years. Um, my first Uh, personal development actually came through one of my friends who was already doing development and um, he wanted to partner to um, explore you know more complicated types of development than just um, uh, the simple townhouse which he he was doing a fair bit of Um, and so I came on board and we explored it and did a whole bunch of feasibilities and Other considerations, and ultimately, I we we landed at the um, conclusion that we could do all that, but actually, doing the townhouses, the simple um, form was going to be easier to secure finance, um, lower risk to sell, uh, lower risk and less capital to develop to build, um, and the returns were actually stronger as well. So I was like, look. I get you want to do this, maybe you're kind of bored of doing the simple stuff, um, but actually it looks like doing the simple stuff is better for you on many perspectives. Um, and uh, that that started our relationship in doing a um, partnership to do developments together and, you know, we've now done four or five um, of those simple type of townhouses and it's just it's just a good one to have on the side. Um I get probably a little bit more involved in design elements and stuff, whereas in ICD, you know, we've got um, architects who are the expert at ex- experts in that, and you've got a lot of other uh, helping hands.
0: Ku shares how many townhouses he was developing with his partner at the time.
1: Most of the sites, the projects are generally about three to five townhouses, so really simple. We're talking about buying a a, a, um, a residential block, you know. Um, Typically 700 plus square metres, um, corners are the best and and, and usually um, north facing with a sort of a, a um, vertical directional, if that makes sense, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but obviously it depends on the, the, the zoning and, and planning um, uh, restrictions in, in, on, on a particular site, but yeah, generally that's the sort of size.
0: Yeah. Well, 700 square meters is, is a really small size. Um, how many can you actually get fit on there? And I guess it depends on the council too but how many usually you can fit on a, a block like that? Between um, 3 to 5. If you get a 700 square meter block in, in Sydney, most of the time depending on which council, most you could do is a duplex. They wouldn't even allow you to even build that many on there which is really interesting. So I guess it's depending on the council, depending on location.
1: Yeah, and it, and even in the short time that I've been developing, um, yeah, the, the, the councils have changed their their regulations. Um, so you do find that what you possibly could have done a few years ago um, is is you know probably not possible now. Um, and yeah, that's that's around trying to restrict the um, the density in in some of the suburbs. <music>
0: He goes on to reveal some of his worst investing moments and the lessons he learned. A big risk for a lot of
1: smaller developments, um, and look, there's actually a risk for any development, um, is around the builder. Um, so we, we've actually had a builder fall over on one of our projects. Um, and we're still completing that project now, <laughs> um, probably, probably a year after we would like to have completed it. Um, so that. It, has, you know, a real material impact on on your outcomes. Um, And sort of reflecting on, you know, um, reflecting on how we could have mitigated against that. um, I think it's really important to do greater assessment on that you're looking to engage. Um, And I think, you know, making sure you understand their financial capacity um, and cash flow uh, that you know builders rely heavily on, on cash flow and when they um, are in trouble they start to turn the tap off on their subcontractors uh, and then you get issues there so um, digging into that whether you're asking the subcontractors whether, whether um, you're looking up for any um, court or um, uh, in, you know um, uh, claims you know against against a builder um, online uh, and understanding how much work they've got on um, a lot of builders um, that go broke uh, are generally ones that are looking to grow really quickly
0: once in they have too much
1: debt those who want to keep doing the same thing as we talked about before like it's hard to stuff up something you know really well
0: he reflects on the process for choosing this builder for the particular project and when he realized things were not going right.
1: Yeah, look, I think um, we probably prioritized um, as an investment, prioritized price but also prioritized like just got a gut feel that they, they seem like a good builder. They're very organized, very structured um, but probably didn't ask the right questions or we didn't ask the right questions around the capacity and any sort of uh, bubbling issues going on in in the company.
0: I guess happens when we're going through the whole process as well. Due diligence, you know, we try our best but sometimes just, you know, it doesn't hit the mark.
1: On the face of it, I think people can dress things up really nicely. Um, It seems okay but yeah, you do need to dig in further.
0: He goes on to share some of the moments where everything just clicked for him.
1: For me, I had a lot of doubt in my capabilities um, going into ICD and, um, you know, when we were able to secure that joint venture partner, um, you know, an in institutional group and, you know, a uh, $30 billion company based out of China um, listed in the stock exchange there to invest in our project that I was managing. Um, it to me gave a lot of validity that, you know, I'm doing something okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the lesson I learned from that is um, there's no right or wrong way to to developing projects. Um, you, I guess you just have to find your own logic and make sure that you know your fundamentals make sense. Um, for me, I drew a lot on how a financier would approach a, a property development. Um, I also, where I didn't know what was the best way of doing things, I I benchmarked the best um, out there. So I looked at what other people were doing globally, locally, um, and I was like, well, if they did it and it works, then
0: he further explains how he has been able to put these large property developments together It doesn't
1: matter what scale it is because even even sometimes the individual smaller projects you're talking big capital um, for anyone um, for myself included they're, they're, they're big decisions and you you um, it's it's easy to focus on the downside um, the you know, what if and the um, the negative rhetoric goes with that. And um, it's often that which really holds you back from making um, crucial decisions and, and sort of helping you propel forward. Um, I think something I learned from both Michael, who, who's, who's my boss and, and his father, who's had a lot of experience um, running a large company, you can't mitigate or so, you, you can't get rid of all risks. Otherwise, you might as well just you know put your money in the bank or wherever else you can possibly make some you know risk free money. But if you can satisfy yourself that you're comfortable with the worst case scenario, the exit strategy, call it um, if things don't work out with your decision. Um, then you can sleep at night so if you know that okay i'm going to buy this site and i'm going to develop it but if you know the feasibility doesn't stack up or the market turns or whatever it is i can sell this site and possibly lose a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars then you know you and you can live with that then, then you can you remove the stress, and I think that's a, a critical part about making decisions um, and and sleeping at night.
0: <laughs> he talks about the sort of strategy he and his team implement to ensure they reach a certain stage in the developing process.
1: It's worth having more than one scenario. I think, like, if you think that everything's going to go this way, then um, you're going to be in a, for a rude shock. Um, but yeah, generally we'll run probably three scenarios, um, a, 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 base case, a target and a, and a, and a, worst case or stress case. Um, and, uh, really focuses more on the base and the, and the, and the, and the stress, you know, like what do we want to achieve and see is realistically possible? And, you know, what if we get delays or things cost more than they should and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, so that's a process and then, and then really our decisions would be based on like, you know, what's the return we're getting in the base case? Yep, we're satisfied with that. Um, like that, that's a good use of our money. And then the stress case is like, okay, what's going to happen if, you know, worst case scenario, are we going to lose money? Are we going to have enough money? You know, all those sort of um, considerations and then we're, we're comfortable with that and have the mitigants in place to ensure that, um, you know, that, that is the worst case that's going to happen but also less likely than, than it could if we didn't mitigate
0: against it. Due to the current unforeseen climate, he goes on to explain how the changing environment has impacted some of his projects.
1: I'll probably use the most, uh, not controversial, but one that I think has um, been impacted the most um, from this and I would say that uh, our Adelaide project, um, because we... have in the very early phases of of that, um, it it's good and it's bad. I'm going to say bad even. It's 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 good in that we haven't got everything rigidly in place. Um, it's going. It's a development of sixteen thousand square meters of office. It's um, close to ten thousand square meters of retail space. It's got a hotel in there and and it's got residential as well. So. If I was to say, like, um, if we're completing that project now in the state of the market, retail is shot, offices got, you know, um, challenges in the horizon, hotel hasn't been operating for, you know, (laughs) across the the world and and I think the latest reports on international travel is going to be not, um, you know, back to normal until 2023. So um, there are a lot of headwinds for a project like that that's in design in the sense that, we need to consider and and um, and work within a very uncertain framework of what is office going to look like at the end of this. Like, has is the new normal um, meaning that people don't work in office spaces anymore? I don't think that's the case, but like you know, like how much is it going to change, and how do we build into that? Um, and we've done part of that by restructuring the way the office is designed so we were originally going to have two towers now we're, we're combining them with a central core which enables you to have two separate areas still so you can there's a lot of flexibility in the size of the spaces um or we could have a, a large contiguous space of you know two and a half that two two thousand two and a half thousand square meters so like it, you know that that's one element of it um i guess with the, the office as well like you know, um, in this challenging time, we want to create positivity and we'd like to work with, you know, the government and the various bodies to potentially firm up demand in that. So I know that there's a number of government um, departments as well as um, uh, ancillary sort of groups associated with the government that are looking for space. They want this development to... um, go up and go up quickly, that's another way of sort of supporting it. So um, looking into those areas for office, for retail, the retail is a big one, you know, like, you know, everyone's now gotten used to online. Um, how does that change the retail space? And I think um, it was already heading in that direction, just probably a bit slower than it has now. Um, so I think the fundamental about retail is really making an interactive entertainment-focused space Um, like it's not just about buying your goods because if you can buy your goods, you've got a supplementary source for that now Um, but how do you make it something that is not replaceable?
0: Coming up after the break, we hear about Matt Coos' biggest why for doing what he does.
1: I can't say that I I started off with the why at the very start of of working at ICD, but it's definitely evolved, especially now in in this leadership role um, at ICD. I've realized the importance of why. Um, Why drives everything. Like if if you don't have a reason uh, uh, of doing what you do, you'll you'll fizzle and burn out um, because you won't have that drive.
0: The kinds of resources that have inspired him throughout his journey.
1: Podcasts are great. You know, um, and uh, But uh, there is one book, I would say, um, and it's not even a property book. It's Ben Graham's um, you know, Intelligent Investor.
0: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Dell's monitors LA project and whether they're focused more on residential units and is predominantly commercial and office space.
1: It does have um, circa sort of 300 apartments in there. Um, and, uh, you know, like that, that's another area to really explore as well. Um, there's a sort of rising trend towards build to rent um, development. So, you know, in terms of um, mitigating potential residential sales risk, would you look at, at at in one line, and um, the focus on build to rent is around yield, and yields are stronger in Adelaide than they would be in Sydney and Melbourne uh, with the of prices. So that's another thing to sort of explore, and, and all these things. There's, as you can start to see with a, a, a more complex project, a large project like this. There's a, a lot of things to consider in the current environment.
0: He shares with us exactly. How he manages all these projects and how he empowers his team to ensure they get things done.
1: We've set up a, a system where the, the team has full empowerment and it's then up for them to come to us when they need support. And because I've, I've, um, we are in regular um, touch points, I, as I say, we, like a, me and, and the leadership team, um, we, we get regular updates from the guys on things that matter. Um, they leave us out on the very specific details that are going on, but um, we get to understand the um, the key drivers, the things that are um, fundamentally going to impact the value of a project. Um, and and that's probably like a good lesson learned for those out there, and is that um, you can focus on the color of a tap, or you know, like um, a, um, a something minute or small like that, you know, a tile that's $30 versus another tile that's $28 or something like that. But, um, if you take a step back and look at things that are going to make more difference, um, uh, one, they're more fulfilling, I think, and you don't get so bogged down. Um, yeah. And and they're obviously going to make a greater impact. So it might seem like I know a lot about the project. I think if you ask me the, in the details of things I would be I would struggle for sure. Um, but in terms of going back to your question, managing it, um, yeah, like having good people around you that you can trust is key.
0: With these impressive achievements as a managing director for I C D, he delves into his biggest why for doing what he does.
1: I can't say that I, I started off with the why at the very start of of working at I C D, but it's definitely evolved, especially now in a in this leadership role um at icd i've realized the importance of why um why drives everything like if, if you don't have a reason a, 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 a of doing what you do you'll you'll fizzle and burn out um, because you won't have that drive uh if i was to sum it up in, in one sentence as a personal why um for me like i want to do stuff that's going to um make my my kids proud of of, of what their dad's been able to achieve. Um, and, you know, having that really deep, meaningful reason for, for doing something, I think is, is really important. And um, sharing that with the team, uh, like I, I realized that it's, it's not an isolated thing. Everyone um, that works at ICD has a really deep purposeful reason um, for developing what we do. And we, our, so we, we don't wanna develop things purely just to make money. Um, that's an important aspect as a, as a commercial, as a, as a corporation. Um, but we've actually got a, a motto that, you know, we, we wanna develop buildings that stand the test of time, beautiful buildings that stand the test of time. Um, what that really speaks to and, and captures for all of us is this idea of um, of passion you know, you're doing something you're passionate about um, it's developing that s- sustainability um, from an investment perspective uh, from a community perspective so you're de- delivering a, a, an end product that you know is good f- for the people you're developing for so you that feeling of yep, I've done something good for the community. I've done something good for our purchasers. Um, we're not shortchanging them. They're going to get a great investment themselves. They're going to get great enjoyment out of the the pro- product that we've created for them. Uh, and for our staff, as a stakeholder themselves, um, you know that sense of pride. We developed a landmark project that. I can be proud of that. I can showcase to my family and friends and say I was involved in that. Um, Yeah, that's that's the why.
0: He goes on to talk about the kinds of resources that have helped him along his journey.
1: Podcasts are great, and uh, um, and uh, but uh, there is one book uh, I'd say, um, and it's not even a property book. It's Ben Graham's. Know intelligent investor. Um, What I learned from that was, and that's a that's a a book that Warren Buffett often refers to. And I think Warren Buffett is probably a um, a, you know an important influencer in the way I go about looking at investments. Um, One thing is, and this is why I don't go into shares, (laughs) is is understand what you invest in. You know, like know to the core the fundamentals of what you're investing and, and that it makes sense to you Um, and any time I've lost money is investing in shares off people's recommendations. So uh, (laughs) that that to me is really important. Know what you're investing in um, and making sure that you're investing in good value. You know, buy at the right time and the right property, Um, you know, they're they're, they're core. Um, But outside of of reading like, um, you know, Podcasts, uh, and I, I, I prescribe that to mine only mainly around leadership, um, rather than so much on the property side of things. Um, but Entree leadership as a as a podcast has been really um, useful for me, um, and that's more around uh, actually interactions with and and leading staff um, because, as I mentioned before, like how do you manage all of this? Actually, for me now, in the way I Go about running um, it, the businesses is around um, how I interact and influence staff and influence consultants and stuff, which I guess for on a smaller scale is still important. Like treat people well, and you'll you know you'll be rewarded with um you know uh, with dedication, loyalty, uh, and and results. Um, and I think you know, structuring things um, to do that you know, is is key. So, on yeah, leadership is one. Um, we've actually at, at work we've um, aligned with a, a group called Performance Shift. Uh, Kirk Peterson, uh, he comes in, and, and um, again, it's more around self-management and team interaction and management than, than anything else. Um, from a property side of things. Um, uh, like I, I look up to to Michael, who's my boss, and um, and his father as well, um, who, who runs a, a like a, a conglomerate that has a large property component in it as well and really understands the fundamentals around property on a global scale. Um, and yeah, there are some really wise people outside in, in, in the property industry. Um, one is the head of EG Funds Management, Adam Gutt. Um Every time I talk to him, I think I get wiser. So, and then there's other people and that I've you know come across. My ex boss at ANZ, I still keep in touch with him a lot. Adrian Blake, um, yeah, he, he's phenomenal in, in, in knowing the, the, the property industry and, and and the trends and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think like whenever you find people that really inspire you and 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 and, um, and uh, motivate you and also give you great insight, you got to hold on to those people.
0: If he had some time to reflect on his past self 10 years ago, we find out what he would have said to himself. 10 years
1: ago would have probably been smack bang on you know, when I got made redundant. So that would be perfect timing to, to impart some wisdom. Um, the positive attitude is very important in life. Um, you can look at anything half full or half empty and, um, and you will achieve a lot more. If you're positive about any situation at all, so um, well, I, I guess it's sort of a, a guiding point, I would I would say that um, to my for myself. Um, I also feel like I got into property uh, development on my own, on my own part um, a lot later. I, I, I definitely thought about it earlier. Uh, sort of around 10 years ago but never took the dive into it. It took a friend of mine to you know, influence and persuade me into it um, but if I was able to, to speak to my former self, I would say just, just give it a go like you know, the worst thing that can happen is you lose your money and you get a really good lesson in life.
0: What's interesting as well, you mentioned back in 2010 was when you first purchased your first property which is that apartment, right? So, that was around that same time, was it? Yeah, I can't remember
1: what the timing was, whether it was before or after. I I have a feeling I got made redundant before, got a new job and then purchased the property. Yeah, because it was late late 2010 when we got made and purchased the property at the same time. But uh, yeah, I think like, yeah, I I recovered pretty quickly out of it.
0: He looks forward to the future, where he shares what is happening for him in the upcoming five years.
1: Yeah, pretty much last year, picked up all these amazing projects. The one in Adelaide, the one in um, well, we, we, we Auckland, picked up our Auckland project. I'm really excited to be doing those projects. And over the next five years, that's what's going to come to fruition, uh, as well as the one in Melbourne, which will be completed over that time um and yeah and we're really excited about um you know what's in store for us in the next year or two there's a lot of uncertainty but um you know i think once we are um settled down on these other big projects like i'm really keen for our, our team to be purchasing and 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 getting involved in more projects.
0: Last question for you is how much of your success is due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much of it is because of luck.
1: Well, that's a good question. Um like I again I'm a doubt. I don't skill, I don't think of myself as very skillful um mainly hardware. Now, look I, I, I my my thinking around luck is, you know, you make your own luck. You got opportunities, everyone's got opportunities in their life. Um it's what you make out of them. So um, like you want to call that luck, like something just drops in front of you, you got to pick it up. And um, so I would say you know, 90% hard work um, and don't see hard work as a negative either. Like the hard work is enjoyable when you get an outcome. So uh, yeah, I think that and then yeah, 5%, 10% skill. <laughs>
0: Thank you to Matt Koo, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com.